Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John starts a whole new series. This series is entitled, Breaking Through the Blindness. Today's subtitle is Zacchaeus, and it is part number one of the series. And now, here's Pastor John with today's message. With me to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I do want to say thank you to to Brother Ryan uh, Rogers for being here last week, giving me one last day off. Uh, and then and Jordan the previous week, um, they did a tremendous job, and I really appreciate it. I, I know that that you guys are in good hands when I leave you with them, and so I appreciate the, the, them stepping up for Brother Brian for preaching for me on Wednesday night last week. Um, it was I didn't worry about y'all at all. I knew you were in good hands. Good hands. Luke chapter 19. We're going to read the first <clears throat> excuse me ten verses together, starting in verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was, he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, if probably should have been in capital letters, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Father, we just, we, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for our time together in worship and in your presence. And we thank you for the time that we're about to have in your word. Lord, as we break the bread of life, I pray that we find hungry souls. Lord, that we eagerly consume this word. Allow it to strengthen and heal our spiritual bodies. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. What must it have been like to have lived in the days that Jesus walked the earth? You stop and think about that every, every once in a while. What must, it have, what must it have felt like to be standing, to be standing there as Jesus walked by? To see him talking with his disciples as they pass through the market. To be standing on the hillside and watch the crowds following him through the country. To have been fortunate enough to have seen him heal the sick or raise the dead. What must it have been like to see Jesus for yourself? We've talked a lot about the fact that the mission of this and every Bible-believing church in the world is to go and do what? Make disciples. 
Make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our singular goal and our sole focus. And having been in the church for almost half a century and having been in pastoral leadership for the last 27 years, I know this thing to be true. If a person is truly going to be a disciple of Jesus, I mean a sold out, born again, saved to the uttermost, if you grew up in the 80s, a radically saved kind of follower of Jesus Christ, it's been 2,000 years since his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But if you're going to be that kind of disciple of Jesus, you are going to have to see Jesus for yourself. There's no other way to make a disciple. Now it's going to be different for us than it was for them because he's not walking around in the flesh with us anymore. But make no mistake, Jesus is still here through his creation through his, through his word, through his spirit, we can still, we still can, and we still must get a vision, a revelation, a life-changing personal encounter with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. But can I tell you that there were people in the Bible who walked the earth with Jesus who still had a hard time seeing him? Just like today, there was something hindering them, something blocking them. And so today, I want to begin a series for the month of July called Breaking Through the Blindness. Breaking Through the Blindness. We'll we'll look at four very familiar people in the Gospels, and we'll look at what it was that was keeping them from seeing Jesus, what was causing their blindness, if you will, and then we will, uh, we're going to see what they did to break through that hindrance to a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Through this series, it's my prayer that you'll recognize some of the things that might be obscuring your view of Jesus and have the courage and the tools to break through those things so you can see him clearly in your life. So let's dive into the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if you were paying attention in the scripture that we just read, or if you attended kids' church in the 1970s or 80s, then you know why Zacchaeus had such a hard time seeing Jesus. What was it? He was a wee little man. A wee, I always think of Shrek when he was a wee little man. He, he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He, he couldn't see Jesus because he was too short. He couldn't see over the crowd. Now, it's interesting to me that he even wanted to see Jesus. This was a very wealthy man. He had worked hard to get where he was. He was a man of influence, a man of power, not a man of integrity, not a man to, of, uh, of respect. As a matter of fact, it, it was the exact opposite. He was hated, loathed, despised, an outcast of society. I said he had worked hard, and he had. He had worked hard at cheating people out of their money. He had worked hard at getting in good with the Romans who were oppressing his people, the Jews. But the man had everything money could buy, and yet still he was missing something. He was still searching for something, still looking for something. And when he heard that Jesus was coming, and pretty much everybody in the city of Jericho had heard that Jesus was coming, he decided he wanted to see Jesus for himself. There was a problem, though. He was not the only one who wanted to see Jesus. There was quite a crowd there, and being vertically challenged as he was, he was unable to see Jesus. 
Now, there are a couple ways to look at this situation, a couple things that I'd like to point out here, both applicable to us today. There are a lot of people who are trying to see Jesus, but they're blinded by the people who are around Jesus. You, you understand what I'm talking about? You, you've heard the comments before, right? You've heard people sometimes sincere, sometimes desperate, sometimes sarcastic, but they say they can't see Jesus because of all the hypocrites that are standing around. All the people, all the people who are standing between them and the Lord. So, so some of you may be trying to see Jesus today and you're being blinded by all the other people. Maybe you've never had an experience with Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. Or, or maybe you've never had a relationship with him at all, trying to see him for the first time like Zacchaeus was. Or maybe you've just gotten distracted, gotten your eyes off of him, and started looking around at the other people. And the more you look at other people, the more discouraged and disheartened and disappointed and disillusioned you've become until now, all those people are standing between you and your Savior. You're blinded by Him. Your view has been blocked. Whether you're trying to see Him for the first time, or if you've simply allowed others to get in your way, you are going to have to do what Zacchaeus did. And here's the first thing he did. He got higher. He got higher. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. He said, I know there are people between me and Jesus, people who are distracting and obscuring my view of him, people who are standing in my way, and it's frustrating and it's humiliating, but I know that what I need is Jesus, so if I can't get through them, I'm going to get over them, I'm going to go higher. So if you're disappointed by people who call themselves Christians but don't act like Christians, go higher. If you're put off by people who, who have offended you, who may have judged you or made fun of you or belittled you, then just go higher. If you're tired of your situation, if you're tired of putting your faith in everything and everybody only to be disappointed, if you're tired of the hole in your heart that you just can't seem to fill, if you don't allow the people to blind you to the person that you need the most, go higher and see Jesus for yourself. Zacchaeus got higher. Now, I told you there were a couple of ways to look at this, and I want to show you this. Sometimes it's not the people that have done anything wrong. These might have been good people. Sometimes in the life of a believer, a person who has already met Jesus, the problem is that the people in front of, in front of them are too tall. Sometimes the problem is you're too short. Zacchaeus hadn't grown. Now, he couldn't help that physically, right? Because some of y'all would be like seven feet tall if you, could, if you could do anything about it. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not mad at short people. Everybody hear this? I am not mad at you if you're short. But don't miss the spiritual connection. Do you realize that you have a responsibility for your own spiritual growth? You have to grow. And if you don't, it's not the fault of the tall people who are standing around you. Look at, at Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. This is what Jesus said. He had, he had told the parable of the sower 
And this is just the interpretation of one section of that. And this is what Jesus said, and, and the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. These are people who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Look at this. So they never grow into maturity. These people are spiritually short. They didn't grow into maturity. Why? Jesus said the main reason people don't grow is that they, they get overcome by the worries and the cares of this world and by the pursuit of worldly things. If you're ever going to be able to see Jesus for yourself, you're going to have to do what Zacchaeus did. You're going to have to get higher. You're going to have to get higher than the thorns, higher than the weeds, higher than the worries and the wants and the wishes, higher than the other things that are competing for your attention. You have to climb. You have to get out of the mess around you. Don't allow anything to choke out the seed of the Word of God in your life. Get higher. Clear all that stuff out that's stunting your growth. Get up that tree and see Jesus and then ask him to help you clear out the rest of the stuff in the spiritual garden of your life. If you're having a hard time seeing Jesus, you have to get higher. You have to get higher. <clears throat> so when Zacchaeus got higher, he saw Jesus. He had a clear, unobstructed view of Jesus. I long for the day when we hear testimonies of people who said, I saw Jesus for myself. I, I met him and he changed my life. I took him by the hand. I, I, talked, I, I talked to him personally. I tasted of his spirit. I received his grace. I didn't let anybody come between me and Jesus. When things got crowded, I just got higher. I just got higher. What else did Zacchaeus do to break through the blindness and have a life-changing experience with the Lord? He, he didn't just get higher, he got personal. He got personal. He climbed that tree and he got higher, high enough, in fact, that when Jesus got there to where he was, he had to look up to him. Jesus had to look up to the short dude. But Jesus stopped and he looked up at him, he called him by name, and then he said, get down from there, because I'm going to your house today. Jesus went home with Zacchaeus. It was about to get personal for Zacchaeus. I wonder if the reason we have so many underdeveloped Christians is because we don't allow Jesus to go home with us. I wonder if we just leave him at the church. You can't know Jesus until you know him in a personal way. There's an old, an old song that says he's a personal Savior, and he is. You, you, can't, you can't see Jesus until, until you've seen him standing in your living room, in your, in your closet, in your browser history, in your business dealings, in your YouTube history. Listen, there's no separation between sacred and secular. We don't worship Jesus through religious ritual one time a week or one time a year. Everything we do is supposed to be done as worship to the Lord. 
Every good work is supposed to glorify him. So you can't draw lines and build fences with Jesus. If Jesus is not allowed in your personal space, if you only visit him on Sundays, if he can't go home with you, then he can't be your Lord and master. And if he can't be your Lord and master, you can't be saved. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. He made it personal. And just as surely as he knew Zacchaeus, he knows you. And he's calling you today to come into right relationship with him. And listen, you're going to have to break through the barriers of sin that are present in your life. The stuff that's blinding you from seeing Jesus for yourself. Jesus said, the cares of this world, the pursuit of worldly things, all those things blind you and stunt your growth spiritually, and you have to clear that stuff out. There is no version of Christianity where you get to pray the prayer, sign the card, shake the hand, join the church, and then live any way you want to live. There's no biblical version of Christianity. There's plenty of cultural versions of it. But that's not in the book. There is an expectation that your life and your lifestyle are going to change. Not just in the spiritual sense, but in a very tangible, personal uh, sense. You're going to change. A lot of people in the American church are having a hard time seeing Jesus for themselves because nobody told them to get the sin out. Just to get forgiveness of it, and then don't worry about it. You pray the prayer, everything's good. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. This is is Paul's writing to the, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. These are saved people. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and destruction. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's an expectation for saved people to live like, I don't know, saved people. You say, but John, my life's such a mess. I don't want Jesus to see what a mess I am. Listen, Zacchaeus Let Jesus come into a house that was paid for by lying, cheating, stealing from, and betraying his own people. If you're ever going to see Jesus in a way that changes your life, you're going to have to get personal with him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let him in to where you live. He'll clean you up. He'll walk with you through the life change. And besides that, he already knows you're a mess. Remember, he knows your name. (laughs) And listen, if you're a believer, your worship, your service, your, your beliefs, those things have to be personal too. You can't borrow those from somebody else. Your faith has to be a personal faith. It can't be your parents' faith. It can't be a tradition of faith. It can't be a cultural faith. You can't have a relationship with Jesus just because it makes sense to you mentally. At some point, it has to become like the old hymn, you asked me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. 
Or the more modern song from Nicole C. Mullen, My Redeemer Lives. She says right at the end of that song when she just sang in the song, she said, I spoke with him this morning. I know he lives. God doesn't have grandchildren. You have to have a personal relationship with him for yourself. If there's something missing in your spiritual life, if, if you aren't really seeing him clearly, then you have to get personal with Jesus. When you think of the cross, think of him on your cross. Because that's what it was. It was your sin that put him there. And mine. Not collectively, individually. When you're worshiping, Imagine yourself standing in front of the throne of God, singing to Him face to face. When we sing, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue, look Him in the eye when you say it. When you're speaking to somebody throughout the, through the week, imagine that it's Jesus in disguise, one of the least of those among us. If we're, if we're just going through the motions, maybe it's because we've gotten blinded by tradition or blinded by habit or blinded by routine or blinded by boredom or blinded by religion, whatever it is. We do worship the Lord corporately and it's powerful, but it's powerful because all of us are having our own personal encounter with Jesus all at the same time. So break through the blindness today. Invite Jesus home with you. And have an intense, personal encounter with him. And then you'll see him clearly like Zacchaeus did. Now, here's the last thing. How did Zacchaeus get a life-altering experience, encounter with Jesus Christ? He didn't just get higher. He didn't just get personal. He got invested. He got invested. And don't dry up on me. This ain't a tithe message. Calm down. It's worse than a tithe message. How about that? How about that? After spending some time with Jesus in the middle of his mess, Zacchaeus made a radical personal proclamation to Jesus. He looked the Son of God in the eye and he said, I'm giving half my wealth to the poor. And the other half, from the other half that I have remaining, I'll pay back anybody I've ever cheated four times what I took from them. Wow. First of all, that's, that's a radical statement. Second of all, that joker was loaded to be able to do that from the half he got left. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, today... Salvation has come to this house. Is it salvation by works? No. It was evidence of his faith. When you get higher, when you get personal, you get invested in your walk of faith. Invested to the point that it will cost you what you used to worship. It'll, it, what you used to value the most. For Zacchaeus, that was money. That's the only reason a Jewish man becomes a tax collector. Money. 
And Zacchaeus said, I've got such a clear revelation of Jesus. Listen, I've got such a clear revelation of Jesus right now that I don't want anything else but him. I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm going to invest myself in this relationship right here, no matter what it costs me. So if you're having a hard time seeing Jesus for yourself, maybe it's because you're not invested in the relationship. Look at Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. And listen, if if you got saved under this American version of Christianity and haven't read the book for yourself, then let me read you the words of Jesus. He said, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction, the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? In verse 23, he finishes this thought. He said, so you can't become my disciple without giving up everything you own. That's, that was the words of Jesus. The one, the, the one that we're depending upon for our eternal salvation. The one who gets to, the, the one who gets to establish the terms of our salvation. He said, you can't, you can't be my disciple if you, don't, if you don't give up everything you've got. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, isn't that what a disciple is? If anybody wants to be a disciple of mine, you, have to turn, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let me ask you the obvious question here. What is your walk with Jesus costing you? In what ways are you taking up your cross to follow him. How are you losing your life so you can find the life that Jesus has for you? Maybe Zacchaeus had heard Jesus say this at one time or the other. Matthew 6 and 21. Wherever your, your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Not the other way around. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Zacchaeus willingly and eagerly laid down his treasure at the feet of Jesus. Your heart follows your treasure. So where are you investing your treasure? What are you investing in? People say, well, I just, I just don't have that kind of personal relationship with God like other people do. I, I, just, I just don't. I don't hear him like other people hear him. I don't see him like other people see him. Well, how invested are you in the relationship? How bad do you want a relationship with Jesus? What are you willing to give up? It's not the price of admission. It's the sacrifice of lesser things for things that are more important. If you're ever going to have a life-changing personal vision of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to get invested. It's going to cost you something. Jesus is never an add-on. 
He is a consuming fire, Hebrews says. He's a jealous God. He already invested in us on the cross. He gave everything. When will we invest everything in him? Look at Matthew 13. Again, this is Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls when he discovered a pearl of great value. He sold everything he owned and bought it. Zacchaeus had found the pearl of great price, and it was Jesus. It was Jesus. He found what he'd been looking for, and when he did, he was glad to give up everything else to possess it. This guy in the, in the parable was an expert on pearls. He was a merchant. He knew what the good ones looked like. And he knew what the fake ones were as well. He knew exactly what he was looking at when he found the pearl of great price. And maybe the problem is that we don't recognize who Jesus really is. Maybe we don't recognize his worth. Maybe we don't recognize that he is our only hope. Maybe we don't recognize that he is the God of the universe, the creator of all things. But he is so concerned about us that he'll stop in the middle of the street and call us by name and go to our house for lunch so we can have a relationship with him. What a friend we have in Jesus. What all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What peace we often forfeit. What needless shame we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. He's, he's a friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a very present help in times of trouble. He's a rock of our salvation. He's a refuge of safety in our storms. He's a shield and a sword in our battles. He's freedom when we're bound. He's forgiveness when we're in sin. He's faithful when everybody else has forsaken us. There is no way to estimate his value. There's no way to match his worth above all things and above all people. Jesus is worth the investment. He's worth the investment. So what are you giving in exchange for your soul? What are you holding on to that's more valuable than Jesus? What are you holding on to that is worth more than this pearl of great price? What are you holding on to that's blinding you from seeing Jesus for yourself? Whatever it is, I can assure you it's not worth it. Whatever you think you have doesn't even belong to you. You say, well, I work hard for my money. Your money can be gone tomorrow. Well, I earned my job. Your job can be gone tomorrow. Well, I'm strong. I'll get back. Your strength and your health can be gone tomorrow. 
Well, I'm holding on to my family. You can't protect your family from everything. Nothing you have is yours. You will not be a disciple of Jesus until you see him for yourself. You just won't. Because when if you don't see him for yourself, you don't have a revelation of him, it, it's going to get too hard too fast. And you're just going to walk away. What's blinding you today? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but if he had, if he had stopped behind the tall people, he'd have never seen him. What's blinding you? Is it the tall, distracting hypocrites standing in your way? Is it the cares of this world that have stunted your, your spiritual growth? Is it the distraction of money and material things? Is it the uncomfortable thought of allowing Jesus into your personal life? Or do you just not see him as someone who's worth investing in? Whatever it is, it's time to break through the blindness and come to Jesus today. In a world that's dark and desperate for true disciples, we have to have a clear revelation of who Jesus really is. And so we'll have to get higher, and we'll have to get personal, and we'll have to get invested. Would you stand with me, please? We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.